With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. What Was That Like? contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is the show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. This isn't really a true crime podcast, but today's episode sure puts it in that category. Ramon and Lulu got married, and for the first few years, it was great. They had a business that was doing very well. They built a new house. They had cars and nice clothes. Life was good. Of course, every marriage has its ups and downs. If you're married, you know what I mean. But in most cases, a marriage that goes bad just ends in a divorce, and eventually everyone gets on with their lives. That's not what happened with Ramon and Lulu. Ramon was okay with getting a divorce, and he wanted to split everything 50-50. Lulu didn't want that. She wanted everything. And if she couldn't have everything, she wanted Ramon dead. So she paid someone to kill him. I had a great conversation with Ramon, so obviously he's not dead. But he has been through quite a horrific ordeal, including lying in his own grave while being photographed as if he had been shot in the head. Like I said, not your typical divorce story. I'll have pictures on the website as well as a video of Lulu on a day that didn't go very well for her. And now, please enjoy my conversation with Ramon. On a scale of 1 to 10, how weird is the feeling of lying down in your own grave? I tell you what, from 1 to 10, he's at 11. It was the most craziest thing ever when the... Uh, Detectives came up to me and said, you know what? We have one more thing we have to do before we go through this whole case. Uh, and he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. I just could not believe what I was hearing. That is just unbelievable. All right. Well, let's talk about how, how you got to that point. Your background, you came from Puerto Rico and you opened a, a gym in Houston, correct? Yeah, I, I, I was born in, born in Puerto Rico, mostly raised in the United States. I lived in the East Coast for a while, moved to Texas as a teenager, uh, been boxing since I was about eight years old. Uh, boxing has been my life. I love boxing. I competed in a lot, I had a lot of amateur fights. I turned pro when I was 17. Uh, things didn't go my way. It was, you know, the, the pros, you know, it was just something that, did not happen for me because I had the wrong kind of management. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to go still be involved with boxing. So I decided still to coach and open up a gym and started from there. 
and, and it was something that I, that I still to this day love is boxing. Food. Yeah, it's obvious you have a real passion for that. Correct. Two people came into your life, and let's talk a little bit about each one of these people. First of all, Mundo in 2005. Can you tell us about him? Yeah, Mundo actually came, with, I think it was a little earlier than that. Uh, Mundo came into my life uh, when I had a gym. When I was in my gym, I was I was helping out at a gym where I had my nonprofit. It was a church. And they, and I had back then I had a, well, I still have it. It was a nonprofit called Young, Prospect, Young Prospects Boxing. And uh, Mundo just happened to walk into my gym. A uh, young man, he was in early 20s, a little bit overweight. And uh, he just was very honest with me told me that um, he just wanted to learn how to box. You know, he loved boxing. He didn't have the opportunity to do it when he was young. But uh, he said, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm, I don't want to compete. I know I, I'm just a little too old to compete, but I want to learn how to box. And and he was very honest. He told me all about his background, and, and we just kind of, you know, hooked. And he was uh, in the beginning, uh, uh, like a part of my family. I had two sons. I have two sons and a daughter, and he was – he was part of that too. He became my, my third son. And then the other person that came into your life was Lulu. What, when, what's her actual name? Her, her real, her name is Maria de Lourdes uh, Dorantes. That's her main name. And I met, and I met, uh, her, you know, the, her, uh, she goes by Lulu and I met her, uh, in 2007. We were out, I was out in it basically one night I went out. I mean, I was then divorced for about uh, seven, eight years then. And I went out. I wanted to go have some drinks and hang out for a little while. And I went to a uh, place in Woodlands, Texas, which it was a Mexican restaurant that turns into a uh, basically a club after 10 or 11, I think it was. So I went there just, just to hang out, sound some music, you know, that's the stuff that I like. And, uh, and I saw her. That's why I met her. She was in there. You know, she attracted. She was we we met and we attracted to, you know visually attracted to each other and this danced the night away and it was a pretty quick romance and you got how long before you got married well actually we we got married about a year and a half later we dated for about a year and a half so we got to meet each other's family and she came from Mexico City she had, she had uh uh her son Luis was i think he was early teens i say maybe 12 13 and then her daughter, Carla, was uh, maybe six, seven, or eight, maybe. Uh, so she had two kids, and I have three from a previous family. I mean, previous marriage. So uh, we, we, you know, we, it, it, we dated for about a year and a half before we got married, decided to get married. So it suddenly became a pretty big family, then. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, at the beginning, we it, it was it was a little bit rough, you know, trying to merge our families together because you know. At that age, kids tend to be jealous of their parents and stuff like that. And my kids were a little older than hers, and they're okay. You know, they understood. But with her, it was uh, a little sometimes a little tough. You know, getting, uh, you know, with her son because of he, that's his mother, and he was a little bit jealous of another man coming around. <laughs> you know. Yep, that's understandable. Yeah. Now, how long before things started to go south with the marriage? Uh, we were doing well, you know, at the beginning of our marriage, it was, it was like the first three years. It was like, that's, I guess that's what they call the honeymoon years. Uh, it was an excellent, she treated me like a king. Uh, we talking about massages, foot massages. Uh, <laughs> she, you know, get up early in the morning before I even got out of bed and I had breakfast already made for me. And, 
And he was just a wonderful person that treated me so, you know, like a king. And, and I was I was so grateful for marrying this person. And I was we were in love, what I thought was in love. And the gym was doing pretty well too, right? You're making pretty good money? Yeah, we decided to open a gym up in around uh, about 2009 or 10, I, mean, I think it was. Uh, we opened up, in, you know, a, a big gym, uh, Woodlands Boxing and Fitness. And it's, it was doing very, very well. Uh, you know, me with my boxing background and Ludo was very, very savvy with business. Uh, she basically took care of the business side of it and I took care of the training. And, and, and later on, she decided to start training people too. But uh, it worked out at the beginning. We were, it, it, it was doing very, very well. And it did well for, for a long time. Yeah, it sounds like with your each of your skills, it sounds like a perfect partnership. Exactly, and that's what we thought I had. I mean, that's what I thought I had. You know, the money the money was coming in. Uh, we we're doing very well, and the gym was doing very well. So, uh, you know, I thought everything was great for a while. But then it wasn't so great. Yeah, things uh, we had our differences sometimes, and and I think it all started with the kids, uh, especially uh, with our son. You know. When you married uh, a person and they have a, a kids, and then the young man actually thought that he was the man of the house, and he was got to the point where I would, <clears throat> I mean, I, and I understood, and I try to sit there and talk to him and explain to him, this is this work like that, you know, there can only be one man in this house, and I'm the one that pays the bills, put you know, clothes in your back and, and food in your stomach, and this is how it's going to be. And, uh, he just, it was just, it was just tough. They, I think it all started with that, with the having problems with the kids. And then she was very, then they started getting jealous with my kids because, uh, my kids started doing, they, they, they're educated, you know, college and, and they did what they do well for themselves. And, and she was started getting that jealousy between her kids and my kids. And, and, and I think it started with that, that that was one of our biggest problem at the beginning. Sounds like a lot of different dynamics happening at the same time. Yeah, it was. And and then she at some point there were accusations of abuse. Yeah, yeah. She how did that how did that come about? Uh, after well, this a little background on her. You know, uh, when Lulu came to this country, she was a uh, uh, she was here on a uh, uh, visa, American visa, and that's when she got married to me. Me being Puerto Rican, she automatically became uh, she got a residency. You know, she applied for. U.S. citizenship, and in about three years later, she became an American citizen. Her kids became an American citizen, and her mother became an American citizen. So, yeah, the, so they all became American citizen illegally in this country because of me. And then, right after she got all that, and I noticed that she started her her temper. I know she had a little temper all the time, but you know, she started changing a little more. Uh, we started having more and more arguments. Uh, we went on a trip one time on vacation to Puerto Rico. We had a disagreement in Puerto Rico at the hotel and to the point where we had to get separated. Uh, and she slept in one room that night. And I slept in, you know, separate rooms. And I had no idea that she had filed a report, not even a police report. It was a, ho- a report on, on a ho- for the hotel. And then she even put on there that I had scratched her and, and I said, you know, and that's when I first like, wait a second, scratched you. Uh, that I never put a hand on her ever, ever. And then she had, you know, scratched, you know, scratches on her on her fingers. And I'm thinking, what? And that's when I figured, no, this there's something going on here. 
Um, and but we were able to resolve that problem and, and talk through it. And and like again, because you know one thing, one thing that Lulu is, and I say is because she's still living, and I don't care. She's the people say that she's changing or not. She knows how to manipulate people. She was a good manipulator, and she knows how to use her beauty and charm to get whatever she wants. Uh, kind of like a psychopath. And and that's what, what I felt like was, that was going on with me, what she was trying to do to me. When you saw that report that where she was making these accusations that obviously weren't true, did you, you must have thought, man, do I really know who this person is? Yeah, she, she you know, she claimed and, and to this day, I bet still swears that I did that to her and, and, and it was investigated. And then she, you know, she tries to tell, tell me that she didn't call the police. I mean, Puerto Rico, even though the at, at the hotel, the securities came up to the room and they talked to me and they, you know, we told them what had happened. You know, we just had a disagreement. But, you know, because that's one thing that she knew how to do. She knew how to push buttons. She knew exactly what buttons to push to get me involved in, in, in a disagreement. And it always started her, you know, talking just crazy stuff about my kids. And I'm like, look, you know, just, just, just be respectful. That's, you know, that's all I'd ask. But uh, when the security for the hotel came up, you know, they talked to her outside and then there was, some came inside and talked to me and not one of them. And not one of them, you know, if you have scratches or you're bleeding, they would have said, look, you know, she's, you know, she has scratches or she's bleeding somewhere. Then not one of them mentioned that to me because they know, you know, it, it wasn't true. Right. Uh, but then when I saw that on the report, I'm like, whoa, what, what are you talking about? I, you know, and then she's, you know, nah, 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 this is something, something this, she's up to something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So she, it ended up, you guys finally decided you were going to get a divorce. Yeah. It got to the point in, uh, in 2015, uh, she filed for divorce. I was okay with them. You know, we tried to get, you know, to go to counseling before that. And we tried different things, but prior to that, uh, uh she, she just didn't want them to do it. She said, you know what? This is not going to work out. You know, uh, I want a divorce. But in the divorce, she wanted everything. She wanted the house. She wanted the business. She wanted the car. She wanted everything, you know? Uh, you know, I know a lot of men sometimes, you know, they walk away and leave everything and just, you know, start over again. But I feel like, you know what? I work too hard for everything I have. Uh, uh, this gym is doing it. The business, everything that, I, that, that it's, it's just too much work. And I told, you know, we go half. I mean, I, I told her, I don't know how things work out in work in Mexico, but here is half. And she tried to fight it, you know. And sometimes, well, it got to the point where we couldn't live together. So she, we got a two-story home. She was living upstairs and with her mother and her two kids. And I was living downstairs by ourselves, by myself. And And you talk about tension, you know. <laughs> I can imagine. Oh man! You, you know she's living upstairs, and I'm, and, and you know we, we. It was just, it was just bad, 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 bad. You know, it was just a horrible thing. Now, how does it work if, as far as citizenship? Even if you guys got divorced, she still remains a U.S. citizen, right? Oh yeah, she she is an American citizen. She has all the rights, just like you and me, and her kids, and her mother. And to this day, I have not gotten one thank you. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And I, I don't expect it. You know, it's, it is what right. it is. You know, they, they, you know, I'm just, Hey, they're here. They're lucky they're here because of me. And then, you know, to try to kill me, that's even incredible. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. 
there are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what code 25what. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. And her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com/what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com/what. All right, so one day uh, there's a conversation in the gym, I think it was with Lulu and her daughter and your protege or your uh, son, Mundo, overhears that. What was that about? Yeah, it was crazy because, you know, Mundo, uh, he would take care of the gym for me, uh, especially on the weekends, you know, because sometimes I would we, we'd take a break on Saturday. So he would he had the key to open it and close it. And, and even in the evening, sometimes he would come in late. And so he can come and go. That's one person that other than Lulu and me that had that they could come in and go whenever they feel like it. That's how much I, I, I tr- had trust in him. So Mundo already knew that we were going through a divorce. We, you know, he, he, I had talked to him and we, you know, he knew what was going on. Uh, but this particular night I wasn't there at the gym and he walked in, you know, the, what he told me is that he walked into a conversation that her daughter Carla was having with Lulu. 
and the conversations had something to do with uh, that Carla told Lulu that there was a kid in the gym from Mexico, and the kid told Carla that he had an uncle in Mexico that killed people, that chopped up people for a living. For and I'm like, <laughs> and that's when Mundo walked Mundo walked them to the conversation, and Mundo told them, "Hey, you know." I need to watch out what y'all talking about. You never know who's listening, you know? And he was like, and they, they kind of laughed it off and they were you know, like, no, you know, it was no big deal. And then he said that later on that evening, he kind of pulled Lulu to the side one-on-one when the gym was, you know, there's nobody, you know, hardly anybody there and they're about to close. And he, he pulled her to the side and asked her. And mind you, Lulu already knows Mundo's background. Mundo was a young man that, you know, had a checker background and, and, you know, and, and I helped him when, when he was going through a lot of problems. Uh, uh, well, just mentor him, basically, what I, with, with a lot of stuff. And she knew his background. His Yeah, his background uh, meant that he he knew people that could do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, his background was, you know, when he was younger, he was involved with, with uh, in gangs and stuff like that. But he was a young man that, that you know, became a great person and, and, and father and, and great person anyway. So she, I guess that's why she trusted him when she, when Mundo came up to her and I said, hey, man, um, so this is, is this about Ramon? And she said, yeah, this is about him. And she goes, uh, I wish they would take him. I wish he would just go away. I wish they would just, you know, disappear. And that and that's when he said that uh, he made the pistol sign and shoulder, shoulder, say, you mean disappear like this? You know, he did the pistol sign and shoulder. Like shoulder. pistol, you mean like his fingers pointing at his her. head? Yeah, no, no, not at his head, but he just did like with his two fingers and a, and a thumb, like a you know, sign of a pistol. And she said, "Yeah, yeah, like that." And that's when this young man, the decision that he made right there, was the one reason that I'm talking to you right now is because uh, right there and then he said, "Well, I'll tell you what," you know, he told her, "I got the people that can do the job for you." And she felt, you know, she 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 believed him. Mundo called me the next day. You know, I was—I remember I was driving, and he called me. And you know, Mundo likes to joke around sometimes, and you know, we joke around and and, and stuff like that. And when he called me and told me that, I said, I, I, I told him, Mundo, you know, uh, quit joking around, man. This is this is this is you know, I don't play like that. You know, quit messing around. I don't believe you know, I don't believe that kind of stuff. And she goes, Yeah. He goes, Look, I seen that look on people's faces when they when they want to kill somebody. She's for real. And then he said that uh, he was going to, you know, see about meeting with her later on that evening and have start having conversations and record the conversation that was on his phone, you know, where she had no idea what was going on. And that's what we'd all started. I just can't imagine. I mean, she knew your relationship with Mundo, that you were like a father to him. And how could she have such a bad misjudgment of his character? to think that he would be involved in this. Yeah, it, it was, it was just a weird situation. And, and, and it was so many thoughts that went through my head. Like, why does she believe, you know, on, in him? Why does she think that he would do something like that? And not only that, you know, when Mundo, I guess when he reacted the way he reacted by telling her, you know, I got the people that can do the job. That's when I believe that she thinks like, oh man, you know. I guess she was so desperate too. Like, look, you know, I, she wanted it done. She, I think that's what what got to her. Like, she was so desperate. Like, yeah, man, just just get it done, and that's where it all started. So it must have taken you a little bit of time just to process the thought of, wow, she's she really wants to do this. 
Yeah. Not only that, I had to drive home and, and see her. I had to drive after hearing that I had to go home and see her face and act like I didn't know what was going on. That was the weirdest feeling. And knowing that, knowing that she's sleeping upstairs and I'm downstairs. So basically I'm sleeping with the enemy in my own house. And I would sleep basically, you know, I would sleep with one eye open after when, after I found out what was going on. So how did you guys, what was the plan that you came up with? Well, actually, Mundo was the one that came out with the plan. He said, what I'm going to do is, you know, I'm going to have uh, conversations with hers. I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and, uh, you know, talk to her and we record everything. And when we thought we had enough evidence and, you know, we, we got to the point where Mundo asked her for money for a dirty gun, you know, what they called, you know, street gun, whatever. And he, he said that it was going to be $200 and she gave him the money. Once she had, once Mundo had the money and we felt like we had enough evidence, we took, we went to the police and the police they, at the beginning, they didn't believe us, you know, not they believe, but they had to, it was, it was, it's, you know, they, they never had done a, the precinct where I live, they have never dealt with anything like this. So they talked to Mundo and me together and then they separated us to make sure our stories, you know, were the same. And shortly after that, they called in the state police, they called in the FBI, they called in the Rangers and they put a plan together. And that's where it all started with them. They, then they took over and they brought in a uh, undercover uh, police officers to start meeting with Lulu, uh, you know, and this undercover officer was one of the hitmans that Mundo had told Lulu about that he was going to do the job. So she thought this man she was talking to was the guy that Mundo got for her. And she had no idea. He was the undercover officer. He was a policeman. Mm -hmm. Why can you talk a little bit about why was it difficult for Mundo to go through with this plan? Well, you know, Mundo, uh, like I said earlier, he was in, involved with, uh, as a young man uh, with gangs. And once you jo join a gang, and even if you try to leave it, you know, you're, you're in the gang for life. And in the, in the gang life, you don't snitch. You know, you don't snitch on nobody. You don't talk about that kind of stuff, you know, and they take that at, at heart. And that's was that was the biggest problem that he that, that he had. And he told me straight up, this is something that he did it for me because he in, in his in his life, the way, he, you know, he, they, that's the kind of stuff they don't do. But he felt like. That's it. That's something that he had to do to save my life, because he had no idea. So he said he felt like if he didn't take that chance on doing what he did, uh, maybe she would ask somebody else. And not only that, I, I still didn't think. I said, you know, I didn't know she had a plan B. So I, even though we were doing this, I was always looking out, well, maybe, you know, she told somebody else too. So I didn't know if it was just Mundo and his plan or then she had talked to somebody else just in case that didn't work. So it was, it was very hectic. <laughs> yeah. If it didn't work with him, obviously she would have tried finding somebody else like this other kid yeah. whose uncle did that. Yeah, whatever, right? yeah, exactly. So how did that, how did that play out? You, you, she gave, she paid money, and then what happened after that? They have the undercover officer, uh, which I think you, I can't remember. He was they called him John Boy or Paco because there was the two hitmans that Mundo had told her about. I forget which one. I think it was Paco or yeah, that they call that they're on the on the undercover officer. Uh, his, his his name was you know Paco. That's what they use for the undercover, and they would meet with with her. And Mundo, because, you know, uh, Mundo, I told I told the officers, look, man, you, you need to keep Mundo in the loop because as soon as she finds out that Mundo's out, 
she's going to start noticing something. So Munda would always meet with them also at the same time. And uh, they met, they met and in an undercover officers, you know, a car with all the lights and audios in it. So they, they, they had everything in this particular evening. They, uh, sh they told her, you know, so look, you know, we, we're ready to do the hit and it's going to cost you uh, $12,000. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I don't have all the money right now, but I can give you, you know, some money and some jewelry and come to find out the jewelry that she gave them was my jewelry, wedding rings, watches, my own stuff as a down payment to have me kill. Now that's irony right there. Exactly. And then she went to the bank and got some money out, gave him some cash. And then she said, I'll tell you what, uh, another thing is like, he, like he, he wears this real nice watch. Uh, he's always wearing it. So when you kill them, you can keep them, keep that watch too. It's worth, you know, worth a lot of money. And then, uh, another thing that she said was that as soon as, as soon as he dies, I'm going to get his pension. I'm going to get all his, uh, retirement. I'm going to get all his money. And with that money, I can pay you the rest. So she had had, she had it all planned out. Yeah, she had obviously put a lot of thought into how everything yeah, was yeah. going to work out. Perfectly. Yeah, she knew, she knew exactly how much I was worth dead they even asked her at one point trying to at one of the things they asked her you know to see if she was really really wanted to go through it and and give her one last chance to get out of it they asked her uh do you want do, do, do you just want us to beat him up you know we can be just beat him up and you know she said no he's better to me dead i want him dead yeah be, yeah beating you up really wouldn't do anything no it wasn't gonna financially no no and we were still going through a divorce it is and that's one thing that she wanted she wanted to make sure that my that the they had me that they, they killed me before I, I think our our what was it our in August or September we were going to finalize our divorce and this was like end of July and they t he t she told them to look uh you need to finish before the the divorce is finalized because if he dies after the divorce is finalized I don't get anything they'll give it to his kids. You know, and I don't get anything. She was just worried about my kids getting all the money and she was not going to get anything. This is a woman without any feeling or empathy, it sounds like. No, she was just not thinking about nobody but herself. She didn't think about her family, her kids, nothing. All she wanted was, you know what, I'm going to get this divorce. And, 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 and she felt, I guess, that, look, things were going her way and her attorney thought they were going her way. But apparently she didn't think they would think things were going her way. And uh, I guess that's what made her go. You know what? I got to find, take this man out. And the only way he's going to happen is like this. So she paid, she paid that and, and gave the final order. And that's when you and the cops went into Hollywood mode. Yeah. Uh, see, after all that happened, after they gave, after she gave the money to them and all the jewelry and, they had enough evidence. Basically, they had enough evidence to have her to get her uh, have her arrested. And I thought that was going to be it. And I said, OK, uh, they called me in. Uh, they said, Ramon, we need to talk to you. And I said, OK, I, you know, I, I was used to going in there and talking to them, all, you know, through, through this whole process. And uh, when they took me in there, I remember being at night and it was kind of, you know, kind of scary. I said, like, well, well, you bring me in here at night like this. And they had. They have the officers from the FBI, the, uh, uh, was it local, the, the constables, they were all there in like in a meeting room. And they explained to me, and said, look, uh, you know, we have enough evidence 
to arrest Lulu right now. But uh, we just don't want to take any chances if we go to a jury trial and some of these jurors might find her, you know, have sympathy for her because she's a single, you know, because she's a mother. She's never been in problem, you know, any problems. She's, you know, a lot of people in the community know her, you know, from the boxing gym and stuff like that. So they might feel sorry for her. And, you know, and, and all it takes is one, you know. And so what we want to do, we might we need this to be a slum, uh, slam dunk case. This thing has got to be 100 percent. So what we want to do is take a picture of you uh, dead and show it to her. And I was like, what did you say? Dead? Like what? He said, yeah, we're going to see a picture of you dead and we're going to put you in a grave and we're going to show her the picture to have proved that the job was done. And that's what they did. You know, they, they pulled out real pictures. I never forget. They had like the DA, assistant DA that was there and he pulled out pictures of real dead people with bullet wounds to the head. And they said, okay, we're going to pick this one right here. This is what we're going to do. And when they had the, the next day, they said, well, this is going to happen. We're going to disappear you for three days. And nobody knew, nobody, I couldn't tell nobody, Mundo, nobody knew where I was at. My family, they had no idea what was going on. And where were you for those three days? They took me out of town. They took me out of town to a, to a hotel. It wasn't that far from uh, south of Houston. Uh, so where no, nobody would see you or anything, that's all. Yeah, nobody was, nobody knew where, you know, nobody hadn't, I, no idea. They was just, they took me out. I had to meet this officer in the middle of the night and they, they had everything set up, you know, where I can just, you know, uh, I have no idea what was going on, but anyway, they, they, they said, we're going to, now we're going to put this makeup on you before that, you know, they took the picture before I they put it, took me out to the hotel. They, they took, they took me to this gravesite and at the gravesite, they already had dug up the hole. And I swear, it looked like something you see in one of these uh, movies from, uh, you know, oh, my God, like Scarface or something. You know, when they kill somebody, you know, put them, you know, it was just a horrible looking thing. It was like a scene from a movie. All these cameras and all these people were there. And they said, OK, we're going to get you down to your underwears and, and finish up the makeup and, and put you in, you know, in a position like this. And they, you know, close my eyes and we're going to put some dirt on you. And they took it was just seemed like a thousand pictures they took of me. All I can hear is that 35 million. How did they put, how did they make the, how did they do the makeup? Oh my goodness. That's another thing because I thought these guys would knew what they were doing. And there was these two officers, constables, and they went in there and they had this little kit and they started, you know, putting this stuff on and I say, man, what, what is it? It looked like, it looked like something you see uh, the one of some kids do for Halloween. And I said, man, this is not going to work. And come to find out, they had just looked at that or, or, or learned how to do it on YouTube from from this uh, YouTube video on some people knowing, you know, putting bullet, bullet wounds on their head for, for whatever reason, you know, for Halloween or whatever. Uh, and that's how they did it. And they and it came out and I said, man, let me tell you something. She's not going to go for this, man. I, I I know Lulu and she, I know, you know, she knows how to do Photoshop and she likes that kind of stuff, you know, messing with pictures. She's not going to go for this. And well, he's going to have to do. And sure enough, you know, they did it. And this is where it gets crazy. They, uh, they took the picture to her and the undercover officers told her that they had finished the job and they showed her the picture of me dead with a bullet with a, you know supposedly dead with a, a bullet wound on the side of my forehead and uh the first question that she asked the officer was that he's not getting up right and they started laughing and that hurt so much i was like man 
I mean, when I saw the video, I was like, did she just say he's not getting up and started laughing? And I'm thinking, this. she thought that, literally, she thought that she had just hit the lotto. She just hit the lotto when she saw that picture. And, and, and of course, she had no reason to not believe, you know, to believe that it was fake. No, she no, was, exactly. So, yeah, if... She wouldn't. She wouldn't have any reason to suspect it, and obviously, she really wanted badly to believe it was true. And yeah, yeah. So she, that's she, all it took. She had so many people manipulated by telling lies about me that I was a drunk, that I was abusive, that I had hit her kids. They had filed false police reports on me. I mean, I was just the worst thing that could, you know, worst man that there could be. Uh, and that so she already had this image of me that so people believe oh, that he's he's not what people think. So when it, well, I guess when people when I died, they were like, oh, he deserved it, you know. And that's the type of person she was, you know. She had a lot of people believing bad things about me, and it was all a lie. And the whole time, I had to be quiet. I had to bite my tongue. I couldn't say anything because I already knew what was going on with the uh, murder for hire. So they showed her that picture. And that kind of, in her mind, that was the, she finalized the deal. It was all done. And then were, was it that from that point you were missing for three days or you'd already been yeah. gone three days? No, I had been missing after that because they took the picture and then I, they, they took me to the hotel. I'd been missing for the three days and nobody knew where I was at. My family, you know, my kids, everybody was looking for me. Then they went and arrested her. And this is the next day after the, the the next day after they showed her the picture, they went to my gym and she was at the in the office with her daughter and her mother. And they walked in and, and the off, two officers walked in and talked to her and asked her uh, that well, told her that they were doing a missing person report on me because they had been gone for three days. And she had this look like she was even surprised, like, whoa, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm, you know, I've been calling. I called his sister and they don't know where he's at. I called his friends. They don't know where he's at. And she, and then she calls and talks to her mother there. Hey, what's the mom? What's the last time you saw Ramon? And she said, I think I saw him Wednesday somewhere. You know, she said something like that. Knowing exactly, you know, knowing that the night before she was just laughing because she saw my picture of me dead. And this is the audio of the day that the officers went to the gym, supposedly to ask Lulu about the fact that Ramon was missing and to see if she knew where he might be. Of course, they knew he was in hiding and she thought he was dead. So she just played dumb and then they arrested her. Yes, Okay, um, you yeah. Detective Martinez with yeah. the constable's office. Uh-huh. I had a few questions for you. Um, is there somewhere we can talk in private? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Okay, we're working. That's okay. Uh, I never knew there was a boxing gym here. This is nice. Yes, we have five years now here. Okay. We got a call from, is it okay to talk in front of this? This is my daughter and my mother. Okay. Um, like I said, I'm a detective with Constable Office. I got a call today from that apparently Mr. Sosa hasn't been at work today. That's what I they told me. I received a call today from 
Byron. And uh, that's his friend. His friend is at work? At work. Okay. He called me today and he asked me for some information. If I have talked to him, I said, well, you know, I haven't seen him. I'm going to talk to him. We're going through the board. When's the last time you, you saw Mr. Sosa? We saw him on Wednesday 15th, the last day. That's the last time you saw him? That's the last time I saw him, my mom, and my daughter. Um, I'm here from 4 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And then I go home, I take a nap, I shower, and then come back at around 3. That's when we sometimes see him. So he hasn't contacted you in the last 24 mm, hours? No, no. When's the last time you checked your phone to make sure you don't have a missed call? Or are you like most people, you check your phone a lot? Oh, no, yeah, I have my phone with me all the time. Okay, Miss Sosa, stand up, please. You're under arrest. Okay, you're under arrest. Why? Okay. Ma'am, it's okay. Stay back. We have a warrant. I need, I need to, excuse me. I need to talk to my, I'll call. Habla, háblale, por favor. Yeah, háblale, por favor, a Julio. No, Blas. So the officers right there, at, they read her, you know, said, you know what, your arrest from, uh, they took her away in front of, they, they arrested her in front of her mother and her daughter. And there were still clients in the gym. So they took her in and from there on, the, 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 that was it. She got locked up. And she knew, she had to know right at that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She knew exactly what was going on. But, you know, and she was telling her mother right at the, you know, you know, talk, call my attorney and. But she knew she what she had done. There was no doubt. She and and then my family, nobody knew what was going on. And next thing I know, they have a, there's a press conference, and my news comes wire to wire in every network around the nation. They show my pit, you know, what happened about me being a murder for hire, or she being arrested for a murder for hire, and that's how my family find out through the news. Oh, so you didn't even tell them. They found out by no. watching the news. Yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, I didn't have a chance because they had a press conference. And by the time I could call them and even find out, it was too late. And it was just a mad, it was just crazy. People crying and calling me and, and not understanding what was going on. And, and they had no idea this was even going on. And, and it was just, it was crazy, crazy. So how did you, and of course, you'd been missing for three days and your kids didn't even know where you were. Exactly. How did you reunite with them? When did, when did, where did you meet well, up? Well, back then, my, my oldest son was in San Antonio Mitchell. He was in San Antonio. He, he graduated from school, from college and kept working in San Antonio. And then I have another son in LA. He's in the actor. Chris is in the actor comedian business. And then my daughter was out there in LA too. She was modeling back then too. So they have two in LA. So I called the one in San Antonio, Mitchell, and I told him what was going on. And the first thing on his head, his mouth was like, Dad, you know, what, what's, you know, what the hell's going on? And I explained to him, but it was tougher talking to my daughter. That's the one, my, cause she's the youngest. And let me tell you, that's, I've never hear, heard that cry in my life when she heard my voice because she saw it on the news and, and it was just crazy knowing, you know, listening to her she cried and cried and cried. And, and my other son, it was just, it was horrible. Very, very, it was to this day still bothers me. They, they realized they could have just lost their dad. Yeah, exactly. And, they, and that's, then that was close, close to being that. 
you know. But uh, thank God, uh, you know, it worked out for me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The visit to the gym where Lulu got arrested is on video. I'll have that video on the website for this episode so people can watch that if they want to. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it, that situation there just, it, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy that the night before she was laughing and asking the, the undercover officer what she thought was the hitman if I was not going to get up. And, and the next day she's all worried about me. Come on. That's, that's the kind of psychopathic, you know, what a psychopath does, you know, that kind of stuff. So she gets arrested. And I think it was like a year later, she took a plea deal. Yeah, she was arrested for uh, first degree solicitation of capital murder, and she was. They gave her a million dollar. She was under a million dollar bond, and a year and a half later, there was so much evidence stacked up against her that she just her attorneys just you know what? I think she had like three different attorneys, you know, back to back to try to work with her, and they finally gave up and said, you know what? Uh, we're just going to plead, and she pleaded down to a second degree capital murder solicitation of capital murder and got 20 years. And believe it or not, a lot of people, you know, when she got uh, sentenced, I went to the hearing and they let me talk. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to say something to her and I did. I, I got up there and she would never looked at me. She was just standing in front of her, in front of the judge and looking towards the judge and, and with her attorney. And I forgave her. I forgave her. Uh, I told her, you know, cause I was living with this rage. I was living with this anger. I was living with this, this you know, I cannot go day to day. I, I wasn't sleeping. I was so much stressed out. And I feel like that was the only way I can release all that stress and, and, and anger by telling her because unless you're in this position, ever in a position like I was, you don't understand the, the situation that goes through your mind and the anger that I have for her and her family, everybody that, that, that there was that was involved with trying to kill me and I forgave her and I told her you know what everybody in this courtroom uh, has made mistakes in their life either you know we're not perfect but now the mistake that you made you're going to pay the consequences for and God is going to take care of it she never looked at me she never had no remorse not not once the, all the times that we were in court for all the hearings it's not one time she had any remorse and I looked at me, you know, and, and not that I want anything, but at least uh, she next, I guess she, she felt like, you know, she, she was right for what she did. So that's how, that's how uh, I remember her. The last thing I remember 
Lulu loved wearing nice, expensive clothes and shoes that she loved. You know, we did well, you know, with the gym. She loved it. And, and then to see her in a jumpsuit of pink and white stripes chained up, wearing those $1 state shoes, that was the last thing I saw of her when they took her away in chains. That, that night that she was shown that picture of you dead and she laughed, that may have been the last night she's laughed since then. Yeah, that, that thing. So the, the way she was laughing, she was very happy. She was, I'm telling you, like, I, I keep telling people that it looked like she had just hit the lotto, literally, because she said, you know, he's not getting up. So now it's time for me to get paid now, basically. So she's, she was sentenced to 20 years. And how, when did she actually start serving that time? How much time has she served now? Uh, I believe, uh, in tw- since 2015 that I guess they started with the time she got arrested in June, 2015. So she's going on four years. Uh, and she's at a state, she's at a state penitentiary in Texas. Is there a chance that she would be, she would get out early? I'm, I'm pretty sure there is, you know, with good behavior. And I think she's, she's been up for parole a couple of times, believe it or not. I have, I had to write letters and I had people write letters and, uh, but she was been she has been denied. That seems so soon for a twenty year sentence to be up for parole after a, a couple of years. That seems yeah, weird. yeah, yeah. I guess I, I don't know how that works in the state of Texas the way, but they have denied her both times. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Have you thought about when she gets out of prison? Oh yeah, trust me. Uh, there's not a day that goes by I still live with this. Uh, you know, not not being scared, but always being very, very cautious of everything that's around me. People that are, you know, that's one thing that she did get from me that to this day, I still have problems trusting people, a lot of trust problems. Uh, I, I've been staying away from sometimes even my family, uh, even Mundo, you know, a young man that, that I owe my life to. I have kind of separated myself from a lot of people that helped me. And it's not because I want to is just because I just need time to recoup. And it's been every, every day deal that's going, that goes through my head. There was a time where I was sleeping in my own bed with a loaded shotgun. And then I had a 40 millimeter gun in my kitchen and I had in my car, nine millimeter, I mean, loaded at all times. And that's how I lived for a while. And it's, it's, it's not a way to live, you know, just because I thought there was, a, you know, Lulu comes from a family in Mexico, her family, her sister, her brother-in-law, they, they, they do well for themselves. They have they, they, the business that they own, they do well. And I kept thinking, you know, they can just pay anyone, you know, from Mexico and come over here and take me out for nothing, basically. Right. Yeah, and have- just for revenge, you know, revenge. But uh, I live it in God's hands. You know, I, I pray and I, and I let him take care of it. Uh, I have people that still watch me. I, I still, to this day, I watch myself, watch my back, and because I still don't know. I still don't know if there's a plan B, C. I don't. I don't trust. You know, I, I still don't trust. And 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 like I said, it, being me in a way that I've the separation that I created with family and mundo and people that love me, and it's not because I'm trying to be mean or trying to be, you know, it's just because I need time to, and I'm going through counseling too. Because it's, it's, it has not been easy. It has not been easy in my life. It's not like you can find a group therapy with other people who have been targeted for murder. 
You know, I mean, it's yeah, kind of a, exactly. a unique yeah. situation that you're in here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's been tough. It's been very yeah. tough. And I understand Mundo is trying to keep a low profile as well, fearing retribution from his you know past gang activities and 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 that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that that's unfortunately that he also has to live like that. But uh, he what he did for me and and I owe my life to the young man to Mundo. And I've told people, and I've said it day and I, I tell whoever it is, you know, that interviews interviews me, that you know, God puts people in your path for a reason, and He put that young man Mundo in, in my path for a reason, and he's, He was that angel that saved my life, and if it wasn't for Him, I would not be here right now. Right, and He has a, of course, being in the, the part that He played in this is a different perspective, and He's written a book. Yeah, I, uh, Mundo. He said he's reading a book. It's called My Son Mundo. It's. I mean, I, I wish him the best. I mean, if people out there listening, uh, you know, go out there and get his book. Yeah, I'll I'll have a link to where you can buy that book uh, on the on the website as well. Yeah. So for, yeah. for anybody that wants to read that. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I wish him. I mean, he wishing the best, and I hope people out there go and get his book. What's your day to day like now? Do you still train? young kids to fight no uh, no you know what i sold my gym uh I, it was just too much for me at the time when when all this stuff happened i, I, I tried to i try to keep up with it for about a almost a few months almost a year after all this stuff happened uh but it was just getting to the point of too many memories and too much work for just me and and, and it was just i was you know because we lost a lot a lot of members because of what happened and i was eventually building it up again so i ended up uh, uh selling it I also rented my house out, the, you know, my house where we, me and Lulu lived. I rented, it was just too much memories. Uh, I moved out, we moved in, in into Houston. I was living in the wilderness area. It's like north of Houston. And I, I wrote a book. That's why this, I've been writing a book and, and it'll be out soon. In, you know, close to the summertime, it'll be out. What's the title of your book? The name of the book is called uh, I Walked on My Own Grave, and it's, it talks about uh, everything that happened. Uh, it talks about me growing up, my family, uh, my kids, uh, and there's stories there, things that I have that I have not mentioned in none of my, in none of my interviews around the world. I have not mentioned a lot of stuff that, I'm, that, that are in the book and that are like jaw-dropping. You know things that you're gonna be like, wow! How could I? Li- how could I live through this? You know how how does he how did he live through that? You know, and and, and I hope people uh, and, and what I want too is people to learn. You know, couples to learn from this book because you know a lot of times you know uh, we live in a, we live in a, a a time where men keep their mouth shut. You know, men are men don't talk. Men are afraid to call the police. Uh, the stigma about being the machismo, the, the stigma of like, you know, why are you calling the police on a woman? Uh, that kind of stuff uh, uh, is many to speak up. They cannot keep their mouth shut because, you know, there's a lot of women will use sexual assault, will use uh, abuse, will use. And, they, you know, when it does happen and is legitimate by a man, man, they need to throw the book. I mean, I have a mother, a sister, and most importantly, I have a daughter. And if well, any man does that to a, to one of them, I hope they throw the book at them and they get put away forever, you know. But when you turn it around and a woman does this to a man, 
knowing that it's all a lie. For the, you know, I could have been in prison for the rest of my life if it was for this woman. I could have been dead because of this woman, you know? And there are men say, currently in prison because of accusations that, that, that they, that could never been proven, but. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and, and it, it's statistics and, and, and the show that is very seldom that happens, but you know what? Let me tell you something. Let that be your father. Let that be your brother. Let that be some, a man that, that in your life that that happens to, how would you like if they call you and they say, look, your father's locked up for abusing a lady, knowing that he had no, it was, it was nothing. He didn't have nothing to do with that. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and, but when that happens, the book needs to be thrown at her when that happens. And that's what I'm speaking of for that kind of stuff too. That's a, that's a good cause. You know, this sounds like it has all the elements of a movie. Any possibility of that? Have you thought about that? <laughs> you know what they? It's it's a lot of stuff that happened that that in that when I speak about it in the book, and, and I've been you know some people have called me about a movie deal, and, and and I've said no because you know a lot of times they just I don't know about that kind of business, and and I haven't made any decisions yet. So when the time comes and it's right, I just want to let the book speaks for itself and if they if, if everything goes well uh you know we work, we'll see but yeah i've been i've been off for uh some independent stuff but uh i decided not to yet i'm gonna just let the book go out there and see how it does and, and again you know it's, it's something that i believe is going to help out not only people that read read what happened to me but i hope they learn from it so it doesn't happen to them because if i can save one person or or a family or or, or a couple from going through what I went through, I, I think I've done my job. Ramon, we are happy to help you share that message. And boy, what, a, what an amazing story. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on here and telling it. Man, it's been a pleasure, Scott. Uh, uh, definitely look forward to listening to uh, your podcast and hope that everybody out there uh, enjoys uh, this podcast and can learn something from it. And if you know somebody that's going through this, you know, get them help. If you read my book or if you read Mundo's book, I hope you learn something from it. We're not perfect, but we can surely work at with each other. And, and if it doesn't work out, you just get divorced and, and, and make things work that way. Don't, you don't have to go to that extreme. Thanks for listening to this episode. My goal for each show is to introduce you to people and stories that you just won't find on other podcasts. If you want to help support the show, you just need to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. You can click on any of the subscribe buttons on the website, which is whatwasthatlike.com. You'll see all the links right there at the top where you can subscribe directly to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or on whatever app you use to catch your podcasts. And you'll see there are also links to Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow us there, and I hope you do. And if you really want to connect with me and get in on the discussion with other listeners to this show, you can join our private Facebook group. You can find that at whatwasthatlike.com forward slash Facebook. And of course, you can always email me directly at scott at whatwasthatlike.com or just go to the website and click on contact. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode or a previous episode. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next show where we'll once again ask the question, what was that like?